Podcast, where we talk about the latest news and research from UC Santa Cruz. Today, we're going to go over a few news items from the past couple of weeks. I'm Gwen Jordanay, and I'm an editor for UC Santa Cruz News. And I'm Dan White. I'm a writer for UC Santa Cruz News. And as I said, we're going to talk about the recent news from UC Santa Cruz, all of which you can find at news.eucsc.edu. All right, so let's dive in, unless there's any more ado for, for you, Dan. It's a little bit of an ado. Slight bit of ado. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, um, here's an interesting factoid, everybody. Okay. You know, we took this show on the road. We, we right. took our learning yep. on the road a few years, oh, weeks we ago. We all about it. We, we did. We went to the, the famous Kitchen Sisters. We were at a workshop of theirs and in San Francisco. And you know what? I left my jacket there. Yeah. The Kitchen Sisters, they FedExed my jacket back to me with a Kitchen Sisters button on the label that everyone thinks is so cool, even though I didn't put it there. You're so cool. You get a Kitchen Sisters label. And I'm telling you, I am fairly sure they dry cleaned my coat. Wow. Because it was a hot mess when I left it there with like peanut butter and toothpaste, and now it's spotless, but they will not fess up to it. They're like, oh no, we didn't we didn't dry clean it, but I just feel uh-huh. like my coat wasn't cool enough for them, and they didn't want to be responsible for returning a dirty coat. I think they mm. secretly cleaned it. That would be like them. But Dan, isn't the word lapel? Did you say label? <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I didn't hoist myself up by my labels to get this job, (laughs) Gwen. You know? Or to be humiliated. Be pulled up by my bootstraps. No, I meant straps. Let's dive right in. All right. Well, hey, Kitchen Sisters, if you're listening, and Nathan, I think, um, is probably the the responsible one, the kitchen brother of the Kitchen Sisters. probably was the one responsible for this random act of kindness. So thank you, Kitchen Sisters. And thank you, Nathan, for putting that button on my drum roll. Lapel. Lapel. (laughs) Lapel. All right. Here we go. All right. So uh, let's do some news. After hearing about that random act of kindness, let's jump into some newsy news. I actually have some amazing gift news to kick us off. A huge gift that will advance us even further in an area we're, we're already known for, UC Santa Cruz has received an anonymous gift of $8.5 million. What? Can you believe? Wait, that, that, is, that is a lot for a ton. gift where someone would not want credit for giving it. I know. That's, I mean, that, that's more than a random act of kindness with, you know, a dry cleaning bill that's like... I mean, I can't leave an apple in the free pile without putting a big post-it like, Dan got these apples. That would drive me crazy to have an eight point filled with my... Well, and then it's just, you know... Must be a really nice person. Good. Yeah. Um, it's going to support the Genomics Institute and specifically the Institute's pioneering interdisciplinary research. And, you know, I want to talk about that word interdisciplinary because we booted around quite a bit. Yeah, what does and people mean? might not, you know, people outside academia might not really know what that means. So... Yeah. I just wanted to say what it means is when different branches of knowledge work together. So when our divisions, arts, sciences, humanities, 
social sciences, when they all work together to do big things. That's what I think of as interdisciplinary. Reaching across the lanes. Reaching across the lanes. It never happens in politics anymore, but at least uh, it happens in academia. Yeah. Maybe one day. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what we mean by interdisciplinary. And the um, gift is specifically... Um, to support the Institute's pioneering interdisciplinary research. Yes. This gift will establish the Healthier World Fund for the UC Santa Cruz Genomics Institute. Now, we got on the map in genomics almost 20 years ago when David Hausler, professor of biomolecular engineering in the Baskin School of Engineering and director of the Genomics Institute, and his team assembled the first working draft of the human genome sequence, while working with the International Human Genome Project in 2000, a long time ago. And not only that, but they posted it on the internet for free forever, right? So Open this is source. kind of like yeah. what we're known for in the genomics realm. And we're pretty famous for it, and we've been doing work in this area ever since. The sequencing of the human genome sparked a revolution in biomedical research, and the UCSC Genomics Institute is still at the forefront of that revolution. Its researchers are recognized as world leaders in genomics, creating advanced technologies and open source genomics platforms to unravel evolutionary patterns, molecular processes, and the underpinnings of disease. Okay, so back to the gift. The funds from the gift will be used to support um, a bunch of cutting-edge research projects at the Genomics Institute. And some of the funds will also support genomics-based interdisciplinary efforts involving the social sciences, arts, humanities, engineering, and physical and biological sciences. So it's all for the good, a phenomenal gift that will totally advance knowledge and human health. Great. Amazing, and I can't wait to see what all we do with that. Really good news yeah. for science. Yeah. Okay, so I've got more good news about funding, this time from the state. UC Santa Cruz received $1.5 million from California for basic needs programs. Um, so it's it's kind of sad that, you know, uh, that people are in need, such need of basic necessities, but here we are. The infusion of state funds is allowing the campus to expand its basic needs programs, including initiatives to make free food available on campus seven days a week, and to help students who need emergency housing assistance. So you may have heard about this already. The UC system, like universities across the country, is seeing and recognizing food insecurity among students. At UCSC, 48% of undergraduates and 31% of graduate students experience food insecurity, which encompasses both you know, not enough food, but also insufficiently nutritious food, according to the latest survey of students. System-wide, 44% of undergraduates and 26% of graduate students are food insecure. And Santa, UC Santa Cruz is, is above average because of our incredibly high cost of yes. housing, um, as you've probably seen in the news. The impact of basic needs insecurity on academic performance translates to a 0.3 drop in GPA for undergraduates. Graduate students take three to six months longer to complete their degree. The new state funding includes more than $350,000 that is mandated for the rapid rehousing of students who are 
homeless or at immediate risk of becoming homeless. Funds will support a program that provides temporary housing in hotels for students facing a housing-related emergency, and the money will also shore up the campus's emergency housing supply. Uh, last year, 12 beds at family student housing were set aside uh, for, st uh, for students in need. Oh, that's great. I didn't know about so that. So I didn't know about that either, but um, that's great that there is there's a resource available. The funding will also build up the core of basic needs staffers on campus. It will double the number of full-time slug support case managers who do crisis intervention, fund a basic needs coordinator in the Dean of Students Office, and support a new half-time position in the financial aid office that will help direct students to resources, including scholarships linked to ac academic achievement. And in addition, a new time, uh, sorry, a new full-time supervisor will be hired for the Cowell Coffee Shop for the Peoples. Have you seen this coffee shop? Yes, I've, I've heard so much about it, but I haven't had a chance to stop by yet. Yeah, I've been in there, and you can just go in. People just uh, pick out their ingredients and whip up a smoothie. They can go in and just grab um, food that's out and available mm -hmm. for them. It's, um, it's, uh, it's called a non-transactional cafe. So they'll hire a new full-time supervisor for the coffee shop to oversee food services and an educational food truck that will begin operations after that position is filled, and it'll fund other positions as well. Yeah. And one more thing, um, on December 3rd, which is the first Tuesday after Thanksgiving, UC Santa Cruz will join in Giving Tuesday, which is, um, has become an international day of charitable giving. And for Giving Tuesday this year, we'll be raising money to help students through hardships. Oh, that's good to hear. So, yeah. So if you're interested in helping students out, uh, look for our efforts on Giving Tuesday and chip in. I'm so glad that the campus is doing this. It's such a need. It totally is. And it's mm -hmm. sad that it is, but it is. Yes, it really is. So, all right. So for my next story, this one's kind of interesting. So you've heard of the little blue pill, right? I mean, who hasn't? Who hasn't? <laughs> Advil. Um, Advil? No. <laughs> Wait, this is a story about Advil. Right. Turns out that little blue pill, in other words, Viagra, can be used for other stuff than what you were thinking. What? Yeah. Researchers, researchers at UC Santa Cruz have demonstrated a new rapid method to get donor stem cells from for bone marrow transplants using Viagra, combined with a second drug called Plerixifor. Weird, huh? I had no idea. I know. This is totally cool. Bone marrow transplants, used mostly in the treatment of cancer, are life-saving procedures to restore the stem cells that generate new blood cells throughout a person's life. These blood-forming cells normally reside only in the bone marrow. Obtaining them for transplants originally required drilling into the hip bone. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my God, I know. And using a special needle to remove cells directly from the bone marrow. Oh, gosh, that sounds super painful. Oh. But now I guess it's more common to collect the cells from the blood using drugs to get the stem cells to move from the bone marrow into the bloodstream. So Which would be so much easier. A lot easier. Um, the standard drug regimen for coaxing stem cells from the marrow to the bloodstream requires daily injections of the growth factor GCSF for several days before the stem cells can be collected. 
typically after four to six days of GCSF injections. And so although that's less invasive than the whole hip drilling thing, this regimen is not always successful. And it often causes bone pain and other side effects, and some patients can't tolerate it, and they might otherwise benefit from a bone marrow transplant. Mm -hmm. The new study demonstrates an alternative regimen that mobilizes stem cells from the bone marrow in just two hours. That's incredible. I mean, what an improvement over four or six days of the daily injections and possible bone pain and other stuff. So what it, it involves a single oral dose of Viagra, followed two hours later by a single injection of plerixivore. Our approach could significantly increase the number of patients who could benefit from bone marrow transplants, said Camilla Forsberg, professor of biomolecular engineering at UC Santa Cruz and senior author of the paper. So, I mean, the contributions UC Santa Cruz is making are just like mind-boggling. I discovered a piece of trivia literally two minutes before this broadcast. What? Um, I Googled this, this bone marrow thing and the Viagra thing, and this fascinating fact, it was Fox News. I don't know. I mean, take it or Fox. leave it. Oh, okay. But it said, <laughs> that, it said that Viagra itself was invented by accident. It was originally supposed to be a cardiovascular health drug, oh. and the aspect for which it is marketed today and famous was apparently totally accidental, a side effect. <laughs> so what's really interesting, is it all comes full circle because now you're talking about another medical application that it has. So that's pretty wild, yeah, right? Exactly. Anyhow, and this is something I learned about five minutes ago. Wow. So okay. the more you know. The more you know. So this is amazing, and I hope it starts helping people very soon. Yeah, that's, that's pretty wild. On my news radar, um, I want to talk about an exciting new project at UC Santa Cruz that will help investigators solve and prosecute some really horrific human rights abuses that are going on all over the globe. I mean, we've got a big wide world with lots of places for people to hide, and there's some uh, evildoers who are doing some things that they would have gotten away with if not for this wave of new technology that UC Santa Cruz is, is harnessing. UC Santa Cruz now has a human rights lab that launches these really sophisticated investigations of its own using uh, using high-end technologies, including the emerging field of digital verification huh. to look into these human rights abuses. Now, this new human rights lab went live this fall with 16 undergraduates and three grad students who have committed themselves to spending three academic quarters at UC Santa Cruz really mastering these high-tech tools and um, so they can investigate these alleged human rights abuses. Now, journalists using similar technology have already done some amazing work bringing perpetrators to justice. Last year, several women and children in a remote African village were murdered on camera. Uh, it's really a horrifying mm, situation. Geez. And for a long while, the perpetrators roamed free, but investigators managed to use satellite imagery and other methods to nab the perpetrators and eventually bring them to justice. Wow. So they, they just saw this video, but it wasn't clear 
who had done the crime and, and, and you know the and way it, where yeah. and things. Yeah. Okay. And the way it goes that the you know, this is fake news, it wasn't us and it was a different country. And they were able to say, No, it's not fake news. They were to be used digital verification okay. and Im- various kind of satellite imaging just to pinpoint where it was geographically. Yeah. It's amazing the vast storehouse of knowledge that is available in the digital realm. Yeah. Now Savannah Falcone, who I'm familiar with because right. I interviewed her, she does this wonderful broadcasting cooperative project with students in Watsonville mm-hmm. to give them a broadcasting voice. Now, Silvana Falcone is a professor of Latin American and Latino studies and a human rights researcher. She brought the li- lab to life with seed funding from the Santa Cruz Institute for Social Transformation, nice. which does wonderful work with yeah. various social causes. Now, Falcone had intended to accept just 10 undergrads this year, but she was overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by the quality of applicants and their interest, and she ended up enrolling 16. Three grad student researchers are providing support and serving as mentors to those undergrads. Mm -hmm. Falcone herself enrolled in a five-day pretty intensive training in open source investigations, and she and the students received two days of training at UC Berkeley from Amnesty International's Digital Verification Corps. Okay. Now, she has thoughtfully designed a class framework that will foster teamwork and be responsive to the well-being of students. Now, uh, th- that's really important because some of this material is just so horrifying. Um, yeah. Some of these materials can be hard to view, Falcone said, especially watching violence repeatedly to verify material. Uh, and we yeah. don't want anyone experiencing secondary trauma, she said, adding that the class offers a tailored seminar, research experience, and attention you just can't get at a larger institution. Josue Perez, a senior at UCSE majoring in sociology, jumped at the opportunity to apply for the class. At UCSC, in a lot of classrooms, you get exposed to injustices around the world, he said. This lab was a follow-up to learning about those. I learned about injustice, and now I'm doing something about it. Wow. What a great thing to do to get God, make them active participants. Completely fascinating. And, and life-changing. And what a necessary role to, to have... I know. There's there's unfortunately so many atrocities that are uh, going on all over the globe. I can imagine. So much chaos well, and violence. Well, maybe this will help, you know, start to solve some of them and start to apply some justice to the people who are doing these. And maybe there'll be even a corollary effect. I mean, if you feel like the technology is going to nab you, maybe people will... Mm, be, think, think twice about doing it. Think yeah. twice about their baser instincts. I would hope so. Yeah. Eventually. Um, now, uh, moving to another uh, story, um, you know, while one team of UC Santa Cruz students is, as I mentioned, investigating these horrific human rights abuses, another team is fighting hunger with synthetic biology. Now, this is a really interesting uh, story. These students are taking place in a program called the International Genetically Engineered Machine Competition, <laughs> otherwise known as IGEM, which is much more than just a contest for many participants who call from come from all over the globe, the real goal of IGEM is not winning a prize as much as it is to harness science to solve real-world problems. This is certainly true of the 16 students who make up the IGEM team at UC Santa Cruz. Shayan Vadani, a molecular cell and developmental biology major and the team's co-captain here at UCSC, is helping to guide a project that aims to create a heat-resistant vaccine for Newcastle disease, Hmm. which is a common and highly infectious virus that can decimate entire flocks 
of chickens that are raised for food. If successful, the team's research could make it easier for farmers in remote locations to vaccinate their chickens against disease, thus empowering local communities and aiding the fight against world hunger. Now, what does the vaccination have to do with the, the food uh, supply? I will tell you, the heat-resistant aspect of the vaccines is very important. I didn't realize this at all, Gwen, but Mm -hmm. quite a few vaccines are a bit like ice cream. you got to keep them cold, cold, cold. And if you take some of these vaccines that have cold storage, it can really mess them up. They become less effective, less reliable. Now, the IGM team's goal is to create a vaccine that can be stored at room temperature without wrecking it. To use this, they're using intrinsically disordered proteins, IDPs, that come from these micro-animals called tardigrades, otherwise known as water bears. Oh, aren't they super cute? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder. I'm kind of imagining like the Care Bears, but I think these are like microscopic creepy crawlies. You probably wouldn't think they're particularly handsome. Yeah. Now, they're working under the guidance of David Burnick, adjunct professor of biomolecular engineering in the Baskin School of Engineering and graduate student Ryan Modlin. Newcastle disease has been an especially persistent issue for nonprofit organizations like Heifer International, mm-hmm. an organization which works with small-scale farmers in developing nations to end hunger in their communities. Um, chickens need to be vaccinated quite frequently. Didn't know that. And current vaccines need to be refrigerated, which can make it a real challenge to get them out to rural areas. Totally. Yes. So um, in other news, uh, UC Santa Cruz has now started construction on the first phase of its Kresge renewal, renewal project, which plans to add a new academic building and residence halls to the college, refurbish, refurbish existing buildings and provide accessibility. Nice. Now, you all know Kresge College. It's kind of legendary for the look and the feel of it, and it was a, a really kind of experimental college when it first opened. It's the sixth college to have opened on campus. It was built in 1973, occupying about eight acres of Redwood Forest. It was designed by legendary Mm -hmm. architect Charles Moore of Moore, Linden, Turnbull, and Whitaker with the landscape architect Dan Kiley. It's a cluster of residential, academic, and student support buildings along a meandering pedestrian street. I mean, it's one of the most recognizable landmarks at UC Santa Cruz, right? Oh, yeah. It's definitely groovy looking. It is just, it's kind of like what you think of when you think of UC Santa Cruz. It's like the UCSC looking (laughs) college. Um, but it is looking like it needs um, to get updated. It I looks like I'm it like, okay, this might <laughs> not. You might not want to walk past it too quickly, or the air can you know knock it over. So um, it was made out of not the most durable materials. I mean, we can't blame them. this. Was forty years ago or something yeah. more than that. Um, it received international co- coverage for its unique clustering of residential, academic, and student support buildings nestled in this forest. Stucco covered structures included spaces for informal student meetings, organized this sort of pedestrian spine. There's a famous mayor stand looking mm-hmm. place for impromptu speeches. Mm-hmm. And yes, plenty of wear and tear. So what they're doing is going in there and updating the place while respecting the history. Now, the majority of existing buildings are retained in the Kresge Renewal Project, as are many landmark things that are familiar, including the Piazzetta, the mayor stand, and those famous waterfall steps. Yeah. Better pay attention when you're walking on those waterfall steps, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go every they're, which way. They're a little trippy. They're a little trippy. <laughs> and you're going to notice some changes. Uh, there's some installation of fencing around part of the North Campus. Uh, but uh, it, they're phasing this out, and really the phase one begins 
this month. Very soon, yes. And this is several years worth of intensive planning in the making, so stay tuned with the uh, updates for the Kresge Renewal Project. It should be very exciting to watch this uh, this historic area of Santa Cruz get updated. Yeah, it's it's great. I think it's wonderful that it's happening, and um, the planners took such pains to make sure that everything was done respectfully and done, you know, with as little trace as possible, but done to update it to modern standards and make it, you know, ready for today's students as well as accessible. It's right. There's so much to this. In fact, there's there's so much to this project that uh, listeners, you should make sure to tune in to go to UCSC, new, to our news center pretty regularly for updates on what's going on. Yeah, and actually, if you want to, uh, if this is the first time you're hearing about this and you want to learn more about it, you could go to our special report all about the Kresge Renewal Project. Search UCSC Kresge Renewal Special Report. It's got a video. The video with guest appearances by both of us. With guest appearances I believe, by both yeah. of us. Podcasts, long stories, and yeah. sidebars. So lots of info and really good info. And there's actually a video footage of me smiling at one part of it. So Whoa. there's a l- little trick photography. All right. So if you want to know what we look like, check it out. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So exciting that Kresge Renewal is starting. So it'll be a little painful to have all that construction. But once it's done, we'll be just stoked. Exactly. Yeah. I can't wait to see that. See it when it's done. So is that uh, pretty much all your news items? I can't think of anything else. Okay, well, cool. There are actually a few things coming up that I wanted to talk about. Oh, let's do it. Some events. I know. Let's do it. There's some really, really neat stuff. There's going to be a Cezanne Gallery art exhibition that looks incredible. Limited edition works by Andy Warhol. Heard of him. Give the kid a chance. Mildly famous. Yeah. Ai Weiwei. Cindy Sherman, and more than a dozen other influential, internationally known contemporary artists. And they'll be on display at a new exhibition opening this fall at UC Santa Cruz's Mary Porter Says Non-Art Gallery. The show will feature 60 selected works from the Parquet Collection housed at the University of Castilla-La Mancha School of Fine Arts and Contemporary Art Archives and Collections, located in Cuenca, Spain. Oh, I've been there. That's what? stunning. I've been to Cuenca. You've in been fact, to Cuenca? I think Cuenca, Spain, if you ever go there, there are these historic houses that are built vertically into the cliffs, into this gorge. It's one of the most oh stunning God, things you've ever seen. Cool. You've got to go. All right. Well, the, the collection that is housed there, Parquet, was a literary arts journal that went from 1984 to 2017. And it presented the work of prominent international artists with essays by writers and critics that commissioned artists featured in the publication to create a work of art specifically for Parquet, produced in limited edition, signed, numbered, and offered for purchase to subscribers. Incredible. I know. It's titled Unique Multiples, Teaching with the Parquet Collection from the University of Castilla-La Mancha. The exhibition will run at the Cezanne Gallery from October 2 through December 6. So it's already started... But it'll go through December 6th. What an unbelievable perk for subscribers. I mean, I get like a mug or a tote bag or something when I subscribe <laughs> to a magazine. I know, right? I walk totally away with an anti Warhol. That's pretty amazing. It sure is. So that sounds like a really cool thing to go check out. Okay, next, the Living Writer Series, the fall edition, is, is happening. 
Autobiography, Fairy Tales, The Future is the name of this fall's installment of the Living Writers Series series at UC Santa Cruz. Mm -hmm. And the series runs through December 5 on um, Thursday nights at the Humanities Lecture Hall. So it's already started, but you can catch, you can next catch Gary Soto, who will be the featured poet at the 10th annual Morton Marcus Poetry Reading on November 7. This one, though, is at the Music Center Recital Hall, not at the Humanities Lecture Hall. So just FYI. To see the lineup, Google UCSE Fall 2019 Living Writers Series. There's some great writers coming up. That's going to be incredible. And later in November, I know that Karen Joy Fowler and a few other very well-known authors are taking part in an Ursula K. Le Guin discussion as part of that. So that's a must-see. I'm going to show up early for that one. Yeah, definitely. So, but yeah. And then I just want to throw out Alumni Weekend is happening, and it's going to be earlier in April this year. It's moved up a few weeks from its traditional end of April, yes. last weekend in April date. So this um, time is going to be the first weekend in April, oh, April that's 4 interesting. and 5. I didn't yeah. yeah, and the reason is because we want to link into some huge events that are happening on campus, one of yes. them being Margaret Atwood. Speaking of writers, yes. Margaret Atwood, uh. huge. And she just won the Booker Prize. She just won the Booker for Prize. For gosh sakes, joint yeah. win. But um, she just won the Booker Prize, I think, her second time. Yes, I believe so. And she's been keeping me up all night because I've been reading everything written by Margaret. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to tell you why, but I've just been just felt yeah, like it would be a good know, idea to read everything. Mar- Memory Atwood. Lane. Dystopia um, Lane. Dystopia yeah. Lane, yeah. Anyway, she is going to be delivering the Peggy Downs Baskin Ethics Lecture on campus on Sunday, April 5th. And so our Alumni Weekend is going to link into that. Mm-hmm. And if you come to Alumni Weekend, you could enjoy the talk by Margaret Atwood. There are going to be some uh, community reads and book clubs and things like that hosted for her new book, The Testaments. Yes. And so you can get deep into that and then hear her speak and see her on mm-hmm. campus on April 5th as part of Alumni Weekend. Amazing. Have they settled in a venue for her yet? Corey Amphitheater. Oh, ho, ho. that'll be yeah. great. So it's going to be right here yeah. on campus. And on the Saturday of the weekend, the Asian American Pacific Islander Resource Center Alumni 20th Anniversary Reunion is taking place Oh, as well. So that's going to be a, a big draw, too. And so Alumni Weekend will be taking place around that as well. And there'll be traditional Alumni Weekend events such as various reunions, exhibits, tours, performances, activities, things like that. So it should be a lot of fun, and there'll be um, information coming out pretty soon. For now, mark your calendars April 4th and 5th. That will be really exciting. I will be up there, folks. If you want to meet me, I'll be interviewing people and doing my thing yeah. up on campus. So uh, you could catch yeah. the the infamous Dan White yeah. in his natural habitat. Yeah. <laughs> I could, I could describe myself, but I'll just let it be a big surprise. Big, yeah. bushy hairdo and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Very imposing, a beard. Uh-huh. Right, right. Yeah. Intimidating. That's, that's definitely you, Dan. To the core. <laughs> Don't be afraid. I'm a gentle giant. Walk up. Say hi. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's it for this time. Good as always to have you with us. We will see you next time. See you all later and be well. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.